welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have something I recorded originally for Fintech Impact, my other podcast. This is actually not going to air on Fintech Impact for a couple of months, but when I had a conversation with Gil Peterson that you're about to hear, the networking specialist, I thought the content was incredibly pertinent to business owners in general. So while this is not a financial planning topic, we're definitely going to file this under how to grow your business and how to think about your life. So with that, on to today's guest. Gil Peterson is a serial entrepreneur, public speaker, and coach, has become known as an expert in networks, in particular online and offline networks and how you can edit and change and alter them to have massive impacts on both your life and your business. And with that, here's my interview with Gil. Good morning, Gil, or good evening where it is you, where you are. Good evening all the way from Bali. Gil Petersil, tell us about what it is you do for a living. Well, for many years now, I've been experimenting with uh, networks. I've been uh, doing my best to become a great student of the world of human networking, understanding how communities are built, how uh, companies uh, structure their teams, um, how entrepreneurs uh, network outside of themselves to attract those mentors and investors into their lives or team members. And I've been able to set up a few uh, businesses around it, you know, working with some of the greatest teachers in the world and building large communities around them, like Tony Robbins and many others at that level that we build close relationships with. And in the business world, as a consultant, as a coach, I help organizations at all scales from governments to you know, mid-sized corporations to brand new startups to build that network that they need around them and reorganize what they already have to have better results in their business. Excellent. So we're going to dive into what's involved with that and what the impact is. Before we do, give me a little bit about your history. Like, How did you get into this? What was the, what was the impetus of, of this career shift or this career altogether? Yeah, no, I think that realizing that being a great student and, you know, needing to be a, a wonderful teacher for the world and the theme of human networking came to me with all these successful failures in business. I've been working from a very, very young age. You know, I was born in Israel, but then lived in Canada, Israel and, and Russia for 10 years each in my life. And um, through a lot of different jobs that I've had, diverse jobs, I'm working in distribution with small companies and big companies like Walmart, to being in the jewelry industry, in the banking industry, moving into being an entrepreneur and setting up 27 companies from juice bars and restaurants to e-commerce companies, fintech companies, and a little bit of everything. It's always been about that experiment with working in partnerships, making great deals, creating win-win solutions. And that journey, I was basically discovering who I am and what I should be doing. And I can't say that I'm 100% there, but I'm pretty much in a good path with a wife and an amazing three kids. And I'm still discovering and transforming myself. And what it really means to me, it means that I've gone through being the worker and the employee and the salesman and the, and the marketing manager here. And I've gone through being the waiter. And today I can do while giving back. I can do while teaching. I can build a company that does promotion and does events and we have a company that it's a software company for barter. It's a brand new exchange. It's a brand new currency of allowing people to barter. Company of retreats here in Bali during COVID, when everything is dead around you, suddenly you start little mini retreats, keeping to the law, keeping to how many people you're allowed to have, but having a lot of them, allowing people to still connect, 
even creating little networking clubs for kids, allowing kids, my kids. I didn't want them to be at home the whole time. I don't know how to be a full-time parent and a full-time businessman. I got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. They need networking. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a myth, education. by the way. You can't, you can't do both of those. That's, so let's, let's just be clear about that. I yeah. think many, many people do in the world, and I love that, and it's incredible, and I have so much like love and respect for them, but I want to be great at both, and if you want to be great at both, you need to be ready to ask for help. So I like asking for help exactly. people who are better. So some of our friends came in and said, hey, let's rent this villa not far from my house. And everybody kind of bring their kids there every day. And we keep the, you know, no one really outside needs to learn. It's a school. And that was cool for me. And that really developed into a community there of brand new parents that I could meet and something for my kids. So it all translated through this, you know, never ending transformation and constant movement through one breakthrough or another. To get to where I am today, a lot of success, failures, and some good wisdom that I could use every day to share with others. Interesting. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about what it is you do when you actually get involved working with the business. So you help improve their networks. You help basically help them leverage networks to basically better their business. Tell me about what is involved. Someone comes to you and says, "All right, I want to hire you to take my business to the next level." What happens? So you know, I love questions like this because then I kind of have to think. Okay, let me think about a really good example, a case. I can think about something mm-hmm. like really, really recent. So during COVID, during distress times, you know, like, oh my God, nobody in our network is buying. What do we do? Or like, oh my God, my internal network, my team is stressing about health. They're not coming to the office. They're not responding to emails. They're working from home inefficiently. So suddenly, the internal network is not actually working well. So for me, it always starts with. Tell me about your biggest problem. Like, really, what's your biggest problem in the business? And then we break that down to maybe, you know, three really main problems the owner, the heads of the company see. Now, as someone who's been through it with small, medium, and super large organizations, I can't say I've seen it all, but I've seen enough patterns in the network itself to try to understand, okay, let's look at how, who are the leaders in the network. Let's see how are they communicating. Let's see if there's too much bureaucracy within the network so they're not actually connecting. And then I create some mini activities, online, offline, doesn't really matter these days. I love doing it all online. And I put them through, either it's a small mastermind, so it's sharing sessions, or it's specific, well-timed, micro-group coaching sessions. And when I say micro, I mean like, they could be very, very short, just 30 minutes. Long ones are like an hour and a half, no need for a whole day. I don't believe in doing full day training with a team. There's no need. There's a need to do, experiment, repeat a week later or two weeks later to kind of see how it works. You need to slowly, slowly adjust the network. If it's an external clients, you create strategic partnerships, you create innovative solutions for them to give you money, whatever it's, whether it's through subscription or a future buying at discounted rates or whether it's through introductions and cashbacks through one of the cryptos, there are so many ways to adjusting the, the strategy of the business by shifting the way the network is, is kind of transacting. So the network is always like, I don't want to get superficial with you guys, but not superficial, it's actually quite deep. But the network, you could see this vibrating all the time, but it's also, it's superficial, it's transacting all the time. We're talking to each other, messages, buying something, deal making. You know, I created a program called the Ethical Dealmaker, which I only offer to people in my masterminds. And the Ethical Dealmaker is all showing up. Me agreeing to be here with you today, that is an ethical deal that we made and we both showed up. That's cool. Showing up to lunch and meeting up with someone, that's an ethical deal that could be made better if you bought them lunch. A deal could be multi-million dollar deal that these people on these sides will do these things. 
That's really all it means. Organize the network differently. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I listen to what you're saying about this. And it, it, a lot of it comes down to, I think, a lot of what you're doing is kind of to get people to take steps back with their networks and looking at it from a different lens because it becomes, you know, like Einstein's um, definition of insanity, repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting different action. So you are doing something in business something happened exogenously to shock it or endogenously, whatever it is, that now makes that impossible, whether that, whether that be COVID or whatever, or not as powerful. And your response is, oh, oh no, this isn't working anymore, as opposed to saying, what else can work within the ecosystem that I've been ignoring? Like, what advantages have I not taken care of? What, how can I accomplish these same kinds of deals, but in a different way? Is that sound, kind of sum it up to some degree in a very small nutshell? Yeah, but the one way of doing it is helping people to think differently, which is what a consultant could do. I help them audit the network. I help them audit mm -hmm. who's around them, who was involved in the deal. Like It always comes down to understanding the network around you. Who are these three or seven people around you? You can mm -hmm. completely reboot your life. If I don't mm -hmm. know anything about you, and I, I ask you maybe for 20 minutes to an hour about your network around you, specific questions, I can tell you a lot of things about you, a lot, man. I can tell you what's going right, what's going wrong in your business. I can tell you, like, there's so much that you could tell about a human being or a business by understanding the way the network is, is functioning. And I just look at the network as people. And if you look at, like, you probably know mind maps, you know, when you have all these circles and a piece of paper. So I see the network around us as a 3D or a 5D, if you really wish, a 5D network of people that... If you connect them together, for example, I love introducing people for a living. It's a big thing that I do professionally for my clients when they need the help. If it's the right ethical deal, I adjust their network by putting two new people around them. Whether it's a mentor, whether it's potential clients, whether it's investors, whether it's just friends to share. How many entrepreneurs come to me and say, I need more entrepreneurs around me who are mm, mm, mm. I love that. Or like, I need more people around me who are not in my industry. I had this one guy, you know, amazing guy from Moscow, runs a $300 million company. And he's like, Gil, everyone in my network, everyone that I ever invite to my house for like barbecues are just people in my industry. And they're mostly Russian speaking people because he was living in Moscow. He's a Russian guy, very, very nice guy. And he wanted like, I want more CEOs in different industries and in different countries. Like I want to practice my English. It was interesting. So it all comes down to how do you now get him to understand the strategy? get him to audit his own network with my support, get us to then agree on a strategy forward, and slowly, slowly, you adjust his network. And three months later, he's organizing events in his ass every couple of weeks that are completely international. He's traveling to events uh, for small meetings of associations of communities of other people that are not his peers, but are at similar levels of business or society than he is. So it always comes down to this, this network that you can audit. It always comes down to how do you look at the people around you and understand it's not just me. If I want to develop my business from 100,000 a month to a million a month or you know, 10 millions a month to a billion a year, whatever it really is, it always comes down to how do I somehow, I don't want to say upgrade my network. It's not mm -hmm. nice to say that, but I need to transform it a little bit. Yep. Well, I mean, it makes sense. So there's that old saying about you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? And that's that's the personality side. When it comes to your business, the reality is, is that yeah, your network is everything from your vendors to your customers to your employees. And we're just really talking about all the nuts and bolts and gears and cogs that basically make up the business. You replace you know, you replace one piece of that with something that is a better version of or a more powerful version of that same function. 
then you're just going to benefit from that. A hundred percent. And that statement of your, the average of the five people around you, I've kind of argued that on over a hundred stages and panels in the world. And I've also played the devil's advocate with it because it's so not true from like most people because you're not constant in your life. That's the no. thing. You travel, you move around, you change industries, you meet people. So, you know, not a very big percentage of the world only has five people around them constantly. Because Sometimes they could see a video for five minutes of someone and that video will become in their world five days because they'll be thinking about this person. They'll want to watch that video again. Suddenly that mm -hmm. one video, that one interaction with a person became an explosion in your life. So that average of five is not really, it's, it's more about how you associate to the people around you, your intention to them, your, your, your perception of them and your attitude towards them. At the end of the day, it goes back to relationships, right? And so you're, you're basically helping them better. Like, you know, let's put it this way. I'll give it another analogy. You're helping them tend the garden of their relationships and their network. Right. I love by, that. We definitely use that a lot. We have these gardens around us. Some of us have, some of us have jungles because we don't tidy it up. Uh, some of us have deserts because we really focus just on ourselves in life. We don't focus on others. We don't serve our community. We don't serve our country. We don't serve, you know, the, this kind of team that we have around us. And you start to have deserts and patches, like, you know, in the, and sometimes in some places, you know, it doesn't rain for a long time. So suddenly all your grasses are, are yellow and that's real. That is completely real with a network and that can become a cancer. Some people have cancers. I've done so much studies on, on, on how health, how our, our health is affected by our network where people had cancer, like really bad when many did, and there's so much research on this and they took them out of their network and placed them somewhere else in a community of maybe people their age with that, are, that have already healed or are healing and the cancer went and not once or twice, like there's thousands and thousands of cases out there, probably even more. And then with some people, they went back to their existing communities. Cancer is back within a couple of months. Now, this is also in businesses today. You can have the wrong client. And if the wrong client is there with you, maybe your business is not growing. You know, and that, that's an interesting one. The wrong employee that you don't want to follow, you don't want to fire. Just because that one employee you don't want to fire, you're not pushing one piece of the network out. Listen, yeah, telling, yeah, that's, telling uh, your mom yeah. that you don't want to talk to her too often because you know that that part of the network right now is not good. And then suddenly seeing after a year or two years, how they flourish, they flourish, they become an amazing human being. And then your relationship grows. That wasn't an easy thing for me to do. But when you learn to connect and disconnect consciously in your network, incredible results come out at any size of life or business. Yeah. I mean, the entire employee thing is interesting. I think anyone will, anyone's been in business or will test the fact that inevitably at some point you're going to have at least one employee that is not only a detriment to the business long run, but is actually sucking the, the life out of the rest of the organization or at least the people around them. And oftentimes simply getting rid of them does wonders for productivity for everyone else because suddenly everybody comes to work happier. Yep. And yep. Most, most executives are afraid of even talking about it. Sometimes they think it's too complicated. It's actually not. You can achieve a lot of these things in about 90 minute session to understand a lot about your employees and then you know, you need sometimes a little bit more time to, to, you know, maybe outline an exit plan for that employee. But it's wonderful to disconnect, um, you know, key people from the network. Well, it's key. I mean, it's it's interesting. I like to say that I think Netflix has largely built the corporate culture around the entire concept of it. I mean, 
I'm mm. sure you're familiar with their HR policy on, you know, we're not a family, we're a team. And if the pitcher's arm goes dead, the pitcher gets replaced, right? Like, and unapologetically, because it's the team that matters. And uh, ironically, the person who came up with that policy eventually was, was, was basically let go from the company, but that's because their usefulness to them at that function had basically expired. And it's, um, you know, I have this, I have this line, it's a true line, right? That's something I believe that when I unfortunately have to let someone go, you know, and there's obviously upset at the end of the day, if they weren't great at that position, you know, I think I legitimately believe we're all meant to do something and be fantastically good at something in this world. And keeping someone in a position they're not great at and they don't love is an injustice to them as well as it is to your business. So it's, uh, it's not a, it's not an act of, of maliciousness. It's in some ways an act of mutual benefit. In all cases, I believe that creating space or distance between yourself and another person in your community and your network and your family and your team is always of great value to you because it's almost the same thing as like going through a detox or a cleansing for a week. You're kind of, you cut some things out of your body and you're doing something great for your body because your body is also a network that's, you know, very, very advanced in the way it works. And we look at our body as a network, then we need to understand that Whoever is listening to this today right now and thinking, well, I'm a great networker. I know how to do network. If we think about it, and for me personally, and I've been on the cover of magazines and you know, over 500 speeches around the world about this topic, I see myself on my greatest day as a six out of 10 on networking. And that's like on my greatest day, not constant. And what I realize is that if we look, we want to compare ourselves, compare ourselves to the way our bodies work, the way you know, our bodies interact with a female body, my body with female body, and suddenly we have a kid. That is a very advanced network. So we are in a very, very junior position of truly understanding how to build a network around this. And I figured out some life hacks and some tips, some methodology, some formulas that are not yet perfected, but they're working very well. The, you know, the governments like Latvia that invited me to do a magnetic Latvia campaign to company like KPMG that invited me to see if I can shorten the life cycle of a lead from nine months to six months. And yes, I did. And I was really, really cool. And then we did it again for many, many clients. And instead of nine months for a company like KPMG to cut it down by three months, that was awesome. And you know, the immense amount of entrepreneurs I've worked with it has been fun to show them if they don't build that network in the first one, two stages, you are guaranteed to fail. If you don't have those key mentors, mm -hmm those key people to share something with. If you don't have a couple of people on the team that you really believe in and they believe in you, it's just not going to work out. Not many people that I know have ever built a business completely on their own. And if they did completely alone, then they probably don't have a really balanced family life and they're making just enough money to survive. It's all about the network. That yeah, we've so I've had fun doing it. And in all industries, we need to do it better, especially during uh, COVID time. It's important right now yeah, more no than doubt. ever to review our network. Well, I mean, I would say in particular, I mean, many, many, many industries have been less scrambling because of the inability to operate within traditional in-person networks, right? Part of this podcast and various other things, I'm very much tied into a number of, um, of firms specifically in the digital marketing realm. And, you know, COVID morbidly was the greatest gift that could have ever been given to them because suddenly everybody would ignore the digital marketing realm when basically they had no other venue for trying to grow their business. Just 
had no choice but to pay attention. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why the likes of Shopify have done so well this year. It's because, oh, you didn't have a website with e-commerce before. You kind of need one now, right? Like it, was, it was the world kind of put a gun to their head and said, this has to happen. However, this is where I would say that the power of networks is, is far more valuable once COVID is hit, is, is that it's one thing to be able to support that kind of business. It's something else to have the business flow to that site in, in the first place. And that's, that's the, the harder part if you're not, especially if you're starting from zero at a time of crisis. I love companies who during COVID time decided that we're going to change our mission. We're going to change our target audience. We're going to become the company we want it to become. There are so many out there that have like went after their values and passion. There are many, of course, that COVID was the biggest gift, as you mentioned, because it just helped them scale. Like how many people knew about Zoom a year ago? Come on, you know, it's awesome. And suddenly it's like, if you don't know about it, like I'm not going to hire you. If you don't know how to use Zoom effectively, like perfectly, don't even talk to any of my companies. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry. Like, really? And it pushed many people to innovate. It pushed, like, humans to innovate because suddenly my grandmother and my whole family gets on a Zoom call on a Friday night just to, you know, to say something to each other. But it pushed companies to say, hey, if we don't innovate in retail, we're dead. If we don't innovate in restaurants, we're dead. If we don't innovate in hotels, we're dead. And I've been very blessed to have worked with both, you know, uh, fintech companies as well, all the way down to hotels that have interested me somehow, large groups, and helped them to innovate. And for me, it always starts with like, who are you talking to? Who are those people you're talking to? And who in your team talks the best? Like, who's managing those relationships? What are you saying to them? Let's talk about that. And it's usually done very quickly. So let's talk about uh, your, you know, your key pieces of advice for people who are saying, okay, all right, I get it. I need to, I need to overhaul a bunch of the people in the networks around my, around me. What are the first steps that you tell people to undertake? Like where, where do they get started? So first of all, I'd love to ask you to ask me a more specific question than that one. Give me a specific example. Okay. Are we talking, who are we talking to? Because if you ask me, give okay. me an exact example, I will tell you exactly what that person should be doing. Sure. Fair enough. So let's, uh, let's utilize, um, let's see how specific I can get. So uh, specifically, yeah, one of your clients, I'm in a business, I plateaued. I, right now. Fair enough, fair enough. So uh, actually, so let's just say it's a services business, right? And that services business is plateaued, right? They, they've gotten to a point where they're earning good money and the growth, uh, actually, I'm going to pick on my own industry. This is hilarious. I'm going to pick on the financial planning industry. The number one the source one? of the financial planning and advisory business. Okay. okay yeah, good. The, you inevitably ask any advisor where they get all their business from or where, what, what their plan is for growth. And number one, number one is referrals, okay? When you ask them how they're going to drive those referrals, nine out of 10 times, blank stare, right? So more often than not, advisors work their lives to get to some level of sustenance, whether that be successful or, or barely enough. And then they kind of just plateau for a long period of time. What are they doing wrong in terms of networks and what can they do to fix that? So again, I'm not going to generalize for all of you because some of you who are listening right now, like now I do it differently. But let's just say that Gil has worked with a few financial planners from you know <laughs> some of the biggest offices in the world to a lot of single cowboys who are pretty good actually. So let's just say I hope that the person who's listening right now is not someone who's working on their own. Because if you're working on your own, that's already your first mistake. You're mm-hmm. working on your own. Your network is weak. Your network is basically potentially competitors or clients sort of thing. And then your family, like your friends, you know, your network needs to be people who you collaborate with. So first of all, I would say, do you have a mastermind with who you believe are your best competitors? 
Like really, you have a mastermind with it mm. because there's an abundance of people with money out there. If you don't believe that, stop being a financial planner. You believe in scarcity, it's not going to work out for you. So if you really agree with me, there's an abundance of money, an abundance of people that have money, and so many more people are still not getting it right, which means they need someone like you who's listening right now. Then you understand that if you're in a, some sort of a community, an association, a mastermind, you know, a brain trust, even I've, I've helped out some brain trusts and companies and in communities, then you're constantly sharing with others the best software, the latest technologies, the latest trends. You're sharing with others. It's human being. It's not some sort of a random article on the news from a media company that gets paid by someone to do that, but it's people who are talking to people. So it's networks. So for example, now there's a big trend in the world to have um, you know, accounts on Telegram. Because a lot of people on WhatsApp, these groups have become small, too, too small on WhatsApp. So a lot of people have gone to Telegram now, much bigger groups. So I'm a part of these networks, these communities of people who, to some people's eyes, are exactly my competitors. And to others, mm-hmm. are like exactly my perfect clients. But I don't try to sell to them. We share data. We share our expertise. Knowledge should be free. So I, I believe that any financial planner who's listening right now, if you're not giving all of your knowledge for free, then you're doing something wrong. All of your knowledge should be given for free. And what you should be charging for is time to, with you. If someone wants to spend time with you, then you should be charging for that. All of your knowledge should be given for free because today knowledge is free. And most financial uh, planners, they, um, I don't agree necessarily in the way they charge, but again, I've, I've worked with some and it works for others. So I can't really say because I'm not a financial planner. I have three of them that work with myself and my companies. And I can't say that any of them have delivered the best results in the world for me. But yeah, financial planners should work in tight networks and be near their competitors and share with their competitors, in my opinion. It's, you're preaching to the choir on that one. I mean, I, I put out a ton of content on practice management and other stuff. And oftentimes people are like, why are you giving this stuff away? And it's like, well, first off, I benefited from other people doing the exact same thing. And yeah. secondly, it's like, at the end of the day, you know, to, think, to think you're going to survive in the digital realm from the concept of information asymmetry is a flawed concept. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. I can access information on anything at the touch of my fingers. And I think, and somehow you think that you have some sort of pearl of wisdom that the consumer is going to see as, Oh no, I can't find that anywhere else. It's not, it's not. Yeah. And frankly, the, the wisdom that you have was acquired out there in the world anyway. So from you know, the to network. think that you've somehow from the network. Exactly. Right. Uh, so I, I, I just don't understand that. I mean, it also speaks to a lot of the more effective marketers I've seen in my day. Very few of them doing it in this industry, which is, you know, providing a lot of good quality content marketing. That is invaluable. I mean, people will often ask me, you know, why do I base my time to podcasts and this other stuff? Oh, how much, the first question is how much business does that bring in? Right. And the honest truth is in the first year or two, next to nothing since then a lot. And part of it is just consistently being out there and putting out, putting out your message. And when I say a lot, people are often shocked by where it comes from. All will get referrals from other advisors. Why? Because they've come across a case that is a little too complex or outside their comfort zone. They are familiar with my work. They are familiar that I am in that area of specialization or comfort zone. And you know what? They, are, they basically reach out and send them to me. So for those of you listening, you think that putting it all out there and sharing it with the universe is not valuable. It not only comes from the quote unquote business you're going to receive from the clients you're targeting. It comes from, as Gil talked about, the network. I have competitors and colleagues who send me business all the time because of the work I do. So there's the case study. 
<laughs> Good case study. I hope Thanks it helps talk. your listeners. There's a lot more case studies out there, guys. So if you want to reach out to me, go ahead. I'd love to take you on as a case study. I'm always looking for something new and exciting and well, challenging. I still haven't found a good challenge that it's I could um, really be challenged with. They're all quite easy these days. It's interesting because I think it goes so much back to, to your your idea about the concept of scarcity versus abundance. And it's I've always been of an abundance mindset. And I often find that the advisors who have the biggest scarcity mindsets are the ones who end up holding themselves back at a certain point in their career. And actually in business altogether, I find that if you're obsessed with, oh no, I have to get that last cent, that last penny, or as someone wants to describe it, describe it to me, it's not enough. To, it's not so much that they have enough marbles, it's that they have all the marbles they can see, right? If you literally think that there aren't more marbles out there in the universe, you're just playing a game where you're going to lose in the long run. Yeah, no, well, you know, it, a lot of people in the world have that. And I used to as well. And it's strange to repeat it because it was because of my network, because of my family members, I had a scarcity mindset from my childhood. And because of some of the friends I used to have, I had a scarcity mindset of, what does it mean to make a lot of money and how easy it really is to make 10,000 and 100,000 and a million dollars a month? Like, what does that actually mean? Like, is it really that difficult? Or can I just talk to more people who do it instead of talk to, to too many people who don't do it? And it's like, when you start to audit your network and you start to ask yourself questions like, do these people give me energy or not? Do these people inspire me because of what they do? How much are these people earning? And once we understand that we need to climb out of this network, that's when it got hard for me, when I moved countries, when I had to disconnect from friends, you know, I've had to sacrifice a lot of my network, a lot of my life. I've had to go through a huge amount of pain, in my opinion, in order to learn so I don't keep it for myself. I have to share it with others because I know that networking is extremely painful, extremely. Going to a networking event and talking to strangers, following up with people and not knowing how to add value, you know, disconnecting from people in your life, that's extremely difficult. And it's painful in most cases. And I've had to develop myself. It's not that I had to develop a thick skin, but in some cases I needed to because it really hurt. But then I developed strategies and methodologies to overcome it quickly by counting to three or myself as an introvert, walking on the outskirts of a room and of an event or standing with my wall against the back. These little simple acts help me become a stronger networker to understand how to follow up or how to get on a stage in front of 10,000 people without being concerned and fearful of how you will now affect this network. I had to count to three and then get on the stage and do it. So you, you start to devise these simple methodologies that you can apply in businesses, you can apply in life, and suddenly you're in a, in a better relationship with your loved one and you know the relation with your kids gets adjusted and the way your clients or your employees or your partners treat you is different. And suddenly everything grows and it doesn't always work perfectly. Of course, we make mistakes, but if we make mistakes in networking and we're able to actually follow those mistakes with kind of a guide, with a consultant, with a mentor, with someone who can coach you through this networking transition, then that's okay because that's a simple pivot. You could do it better and better every single time. Every time, it's like going to the gym. Every time you go to the gym, if you do it every day, you get better and better on how to use the machines and how to how to adjust your body and how to how to be healthy on the inside and the outside. Networking is exactly the same. Well, Make sure it's healthy. Well, personal growth only only ever can healthy stress, right? So let's wrap. There's three questions I ask before we wrap it up that I'd like to ask you. The first question is, if you had one wish for something you can change in your business or in your industries that you, you operate as a whole, what would it be? Cool question. I would... Um, it stumps everyone. It's hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's a, you can look at it as a really big question and then you start seeing, like I said, it's not that big and there's a few things and then you got to pick one to share with you right now. 
I would say maybe it's always actually the way that I manage my time within the network. If I could change it and I could have this new piece of technology that would allow me to measure myself and the network itself and the way I lead my team. I'm not always a good leader. Now, sometimes I forget that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a leader in the company. I try to be a coach. I would just adjust and I, I would measure and adjust the way I network as a human being constantly somewhere with some sort of a bracelet or something that would help me understand this better. I think it would, it, it, it would be the biggest gift for me and a big gift for the world. Excellent. It's a new type of fitness tracker that we can get. Okay. <laughs> Second one. Um, new, new med tech. I don't know. Health tech. You know, if somebody's listening, they go. got it. Let me know. I'll help you develop it. The second question I have for you is what's been the biggest challenge in getting your business to where it is today? The biggest challenge is also the biggest benefit. It's kind of pushing myself to not give up, you know, like people let you down. It's easy to give up, like big event failing. You lose millions of dollars. It's easy to give up. So that's been the kind of the biggest challenge. And it's also, yeah, it's all these um these bumps in the road, I could say, these mess ups when, when that network, that relationship, it's usually one person that something goes bad. Just, it's the one relationship here, the one relationship here or here that something goes bad. And that's always been the, the biggest kind of challenge, not being able to be a perfect networker mm. doesn't exist. The last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on today and gets you up in the morning every day to keep on fighting the good fight? That's an easy question. You know, I see, I feel inside of me that what I'm doing right now is right. It's like, it, it might sound weird to some people. Spiritually, I feel that the universe is telling me I'm doing the right thing because I'm, whether you believe in karma, whether you believe in luck or whatever it is, I'm getting a lot of rewards and gifts from the world, from the universe. I'm getting a lot back. So I know I'm doing something right. You know, it's not about make, getting money, but there's abundance of a lot around me in life. You know, there's an abundance of everything the way I look, whether it's colors of fruits in my house. You know, any given day, I'll have like 13 or 15 different fruits in my house. Why? Because I, it's an abundance and healthy food and, and healthy lifestyle and a lot of nature around me. You know, I got two rivers behind my house. I think that when you see that abundance and you feel good inside, you know you're serving the world. I do a lot of charity work more than ever before in my life. I love being able to not just feed people, but give them systems to eat every day. It feels right, but it's still not there. I actually feel that there's something massive around the corner. That's why I'm constantly adjusting my network. So I'm hoping that someone who's listening right now will reach out to me and like, Gil, you've been looking for me your whole life. Maybe it is. That's why I talk to everyone who reaches out to me. It's fun. Excellent. So Gil, before we wrap up, where can people find you? Wherever your users are, they could find me. I'm the only Gil Peterson in the world. So if you can't find me, it's not because of me. Like just Google my name if you type it well. But uh, LinkedIn is a good place to write me and I usually respond within 24 hours. If it's not me, it's my assistant, then she'll pass it on to me. Instagram is cool if you want to chat a little bit. I, I check out Instagram, not too much, but I try to be on it 10 minutes a day. Otherwise, the digital network overwhelms you. You need to focus on the offline network. So I have a team of people that helps me. I love talking to new people, so... Ladies and gentlemen, reach out to me. Email, of course, is also good, but don't email me. Social media, check me out before we talk. And then I can check you out. Fantastic. Excellent. Good stuff. Bill, thank you so much thank for taking you, Jason. the time today. That was Very fun. much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Thank you. So that was my interview with Gil Peterson. I hope you enjoyed that. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, take care. 
This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.